I see you using this shirt with new era, and that's what it is all about. The scripture says in Romans that God's creation, all of God's creation, is longing, yearning, and waiting for the manifestation, the revelation of the sons of God in the last days. Now, when the scripture speaks about sons, it means daughters as well. Because God, in the beginning, said, called, he created them male and female, and he called them man. But it's a man that called her woman. He called them Adam. But it's a man that called her Eve after he fell. So when God says sons, it refers to both male and female. So when the Bible says sons of God, the women should not be feel, felt left out because it includes you. Galatians 4, 4 says, in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son made of a woman. Everything that God begins on earth in relationship to humans, he always begins with a womb of a woman. That's where everything is birthed. And so even when God wanted to reveal himself and he took upon himself the likeness of flesh, he became one of us because it was his law that no human could come to planet earth unless he came through a womb of a woman. And so he himself had to come through a womb of a woman who was a virgin. And so the scripture says in the fullness of time, at the appointed time, at the appointed place, at that Kairos moment, not earlier, not later, but at that appointed set apart moment, God came to this world through the womb of a woman and in the likeness of flesh, you and I. So that the untouchable God could be touched. So that the unseeable God can be seen. So the God that we couldn't hear, we could hear. God said, follow me, so we could follow him. He came down to earth to show us how to live like sons and daughters of God. And so this morning I want to challenge you that you are on the right track. You got the right language. You have the right spirit. I've not met your pastor before. First time we are meeting. And this is a divine connection. As God begins to connect all his sons all over the world because the time has come for the manifestation, the revelation of the sons of God. Hallelujah. So I'm speaking this morning to the sons and daughters of God. I'm inviting you to come up the holy mountain. I'm inviting you to set yourself apart, to be different, to think different. 
Live different. Everything about you should be different. Because without holy or without clean hearts and without clean hands and without clean lips, you cannot ascend. And when you begin to ascend the holy hill, then God Almighty descends to meet us. And so this morning, I'm inviting you to come up. Come up as sons and daughters of God. Because the time has come when God wants to reveal you. Without shame, without reservation. He wants to reveal you because all of his creation is waiting, longing for the manifestation, revelation of the sons and daughters of God. And this he's doing all over the world. This is the final stage where God is going to bring in a harvest like never known or heard before. This is the time when the old have already stepped aside so that the new could come in and accomplish the unbelievable and perform the impossible with signs and wonders following. This is a time when heaven wants to kiss the earth so that you and I can be manifest as the true sons and daughters of God. I'm going to speak about the master, but the dear pastor said I should share something about myself. 45 years ago, I was 25 then, came out of the Bible school, and I was sent to a little village, a Chinese village, which was actually just after the communist emergency in Malaysia. The government began to relocate all the Chinese communist sympathizers, and they formed new villages. So there are about 30,000 of them there. There was no town on the road. There was no lights in the street. They didn't even have proper toilets. And the drains were clogged up with uh, vegetable to feed the pigs, ducks, and a full of frogs that will give you a nice music in the night. <laughs> and they used to eat those frogs too. <laughs> and I was sent there. And I, I just, just to, to know the greatness of God. Here was I, a nobody and nothing. No background, not even a cent in my pocket. Uh-huh. I'd worked for five years and then come into Bible school. And uh, I used to hitchhike from the school to where I was going to this village with some students there. And that's how it was. I lived, lived on very little, hardly anything. And there I was ministering and I went through a 40-day fast for two reasons. I wanted to know God's agenda for my life. Secondly, I want God to choose the right woman for my life. Because if you don't marry the right woman, uh, and that goes with fasting and praying, and if you marry the wrong one, you'll be spending the rest of your life fasting and praying. And after the 40-day fast, it was a water fast. Fasting, you will not die. Most people in the world today die not because there is no food, because they eat too much. Eat too much. And this nation has been extremely blessed with abundance of food. If you don't believe, just take a look at your neighbor. (laughs) And here I was in this village, and... uh, And I prayed, and the Lord gave me Isaiah 58. This was 45 years ago. 
And in Isaiah 58, it talks about the real fasting, real praying, real prayer that moves the heavens. And that is that when you see the hungry, feed him. When you see the naked, clothe him. When you see the homeless, bring him to your house. It does not say, take him to the pastor's house. It says, bring him to your house. <laughs> when you see the homeless, bring him there. Visit the fatherless, comfort the widows. If you will hear the cry of the needy, then God says, before you cry, I will hear you. And I will cause you to later to ride on the top of the world with the nations and, uh, and uh, over the nations with kings and etc etc well that part was too high for me so I said Lord to feed the poor etc that will be easier but whose food should I give where do I get the food from your food whose clothes your clothes whose bed your bed so after a few days as I was coming back home on a motorbike and there at the gate was sleeping a man and he couldn't even get up he was all unshaven dirty He's about to die. He grabbed my leg as I was on the motorbike and he said, please, I am going to die. Will you? I have no family. Would you please bury me? So I took him in and I washed him and put him on my bed, fed him. After some time, took him to the hospital, had his cataracts removed, had a surgery on his feet so he could walk. He did not, he did not die. He lived. That was the beginning of the ministry that is known today as Grace Community Services. That man brought him in, then later brought in five Chinese elderly women who were living in the cemetery waiting for their turn to die. Brought them in, and I was looking after them, and a lady in that church came to me and said, Pastor, I work as a housekeeper at the Dutch ambassador's home. I've seen what you're doing, and I've quit my job. I'm coming to you to work with you as your first full-time worker free. That started Grace Home, Grace Community Services. And to, up to today, we have looked after more than 1,600 destitute homeless women. Wow. From that home, we started a center for rehabilitation of drug addicts and alcoholics. Then for children, right now we have four homes in Malaysia, in Malaysia where we are, in Malaysia alone, four different homes. And then we have, I started a ministry 16 years ago for unwanted, unplanned pregnancies. Rescuing these girls and also the babies from being aborted, calling it birthright. The right to give birth, the right, the right to be born. It's the first one in the country. Then we started a feeding program. We are the food bank. Well, we started feeding one person, but today we feed every day between six to 7,000 meals a day. Uh, we have food rescue. We have mobile clinics. And uh, this goes on. And today we are actually the largest humanitarian work in the country. But I play it down because we do not want too much of publicity because the wrong people see it and we are in trouble. So we have been recognized, awarded by state government, federal government, etc., for the past three years as the best-run homes, etc., in the nation. And from there, we have gone to many other nations, many come and learn. But it all started with nothing in my pocket. It started by a nobody with someone who doesn't have a background. Nothing. Just say, Lord, your will be done. 
And today when they ask me, do you have a, a blueprint? Do you have a plan? Do you have a set? I say, I had nothing. How did this happen? It evolved. We didn't know about all this. I, I don't have a formula how to do it. He just obeyed and God began to take us and begin to do these things. He made these divine connections. And so it can be done. God loves the world. We must love the world. So what you're doing is great. What you plans that you have, we will take the world for Jesus Christ. He said, ask. Ask for the nations. And he will give it to us so that we can lay it at his feet. And so carry on what you're doing. We'll pray together. We'll work together. Join hands together. As there's a great net of God. We'll bring in the greatest harvest the world has ever known. And this is a wonderful time to live in. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The coming back as sons of God, I said, I'm, I'm speaking today to you as a child of God. The Bible says when you receive him as Lord and Savior, he comes into your life and he gives you power. He gives you power to become sons and daughters of God. You have already received the power, but I want to ask you this morning, are you becoming? What are you becoming? Who are you becoming like? Are you becoming like a father in heaven who gives you life? Fathers give you life. Fathers give you a name, identity. Fathers give you a character. Fathers give you a destiny. And above all, fathers give you an inheritance. Today, the world is a fatherless world. That's why all the chaos, confusion, they have no identity. But when you know him, he knows you. He's not ashamed to call you my son, my daughter. He's not ashamed that you should represent him on earth. Jesus said, if you will talk about me on earth, then I will talk about you in heaven. If you are not ashamed of me, if you are not ashamed of me, I will not be ashamed of you. But if you are ashamed of me, then I will also be ashamed of you and I will not confess your name in the heaven. If you will represent me on earth, I will represent you in heaven. Your name will not only be known on earth, it will be known in heaven, it will be known in hell. So he's calling you, come up. What are you becoming? Who are you becoming like? And the scripture says it was the delight of Jesus Christ to reveal his father. He said he delighted in God, his loving heavenly father, and God delighted in him because he always represented the father. He said, I, what I see my father do, I do. What I hear my father speak, I speak. But if you have not seen the Father, if you have seen me, the Master said, you have seen the Father. Amen. So the Father wants you, beloved, to be able to live such a life that when people see you, they see Christ in you. That's why you call a Christian. Amen. What are they seeing today when they see you? When Jesus came to this world, he was born of a virgin. And he grew up. The family is so important. The kingdom of God is a family kingdom. The idea of family was God's idea. It's a good idea. The idea of marriage, the design of marriage is a divine design. 
It is the first institution, the only institution that God established in a place called Eden or a place called paradise. There was no any other institutions. No government, no military, no economics, no church, nothing. Only one institution and it was called the family. And God said it was good. When he created a man, he said it was good. After he created the woman, he said it is very good. And he put them together. And God said, multiply, reproduce after your kind. Only institution before the fall. After the fall, every other institution has come into being for one purpose. To support the marriage and to support the family. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Male and a female. <laughs> the word. Listen. He created male and female. The word male means the PSR. The initiator. The one that takes the first step. He initiates. He, he's the one that activates. He's called male, the piercer. The female means the one that is pierced. So he brought them together. She is called a woman. He is called a man. She is also a man, but because she has a womb, she is called a womb man. And God brought them together. Adam knew his wife Eve. Eve knew Adam and they conceived. It was a union. There was a penetration. The two became one. Because she has a womb. If you have no womb, you are not a woman. You are not able to have your monthly menses to remind you that you are the cradle of life. You are not a woman. If you do not have breasts that bring forth food to feed, to nourish, you are not a woman. A woman is a man with a womb. And when God put them together, they brought forth like their likeness, sons and daughters. And it was good. Very good. Hallelujah. And so when God decided to come and visit the earth to redeem that which is fallen, he came through a womb of a woman and he was born. And Mary, the angel appeared to Mary and said, you're going to conceive. She said, how can I have a child? I do not know any man. Oh, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. And he will come upon you. And you will conceive. What comes upon you, that's what you will conceive. What you allow to come upon you is what you will conceive. And what you conceive, you will bring forth. The Holy Ghost came upon the virgin and she conceived. And she brought forth Jesus, Son of God. And he came to a family. And he grew up in the family. He grew up as a, as a baby. The scripture tells us in Luke 3 and 22, here he's being baptized. Luke 3, 22. 
And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. He is now 30 years old. He's getting baptized by John. And the heavens opened, a voice is heard, and the voice said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. What did Jesus do that God in heaven says, I am well pleased? Did he teach in Sunday school? No. Did he cast out the devil? No. Did he heal the sick? No. Was he preaching? No. What in the world did Jesus do that the Father could say, This is my beloved son, in whom I I am well pleased. What did he do? Did he go to Bible school? No. Was he ordained? Was he a reverend? Was he etc. etc.? All the titles not found in the Bible? No. <laughs> what did you do that the father could say, I'm well pleased with you? Well, let's find out. When he was born as a baby, from the time he was one to the age of twelve, he obeyed his father and his mother. Though he was God Almighty, he humbled himself and he became obedient to his own creatures. He loved his mother, he served his mother, he served his father. From the time he was one to the time he was twelve, there we hear nothing about it. But when he was twelve years old, he was taken to the temple and he was dedicated so that he becomes an adult. Where he's introduced to manhood. And there he stands before all the teachers of the law and they ask him questions and he answers. He asked them questions they could not answer. He was able to stand on one leg and repeat all the great commandments of the Bible. He had memorized by the age of 12 Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy word for word. His mother taught him, his father taught him. And so when he stood there and he was with these people, he, parents went home. And you know the story, he was missing. And they came looking for him, and they found him in the temple. And the mother said, what have you done? Why have you done this to us? The first recorded words of Jesus Christ at the age of 12, I have come to do the will of my father. Whose will did you come to do? Whose will are you doing? If you're not doing the Father's will, whose will are you doing? If you're not minding your Father's business, whose business are you minding? Do you know who you are? Do you know whose you are? Do you know your Heavenly Father? For when you know your Father, He gives you a name, you have an identity, you have a destiny, and you have an inheritance. Do you know who you are? That was at the age of 12. Then we see in Matthew 17, 5, at transfiguration, where he's praying. And then again, the voice of God is heard. There's a great transfiguration that takes place. And God says, this is my beloved son again. And he said, hear him. Listen to what he's got to say. Heavens open. God begins to speak. For 400 years before that, God stood silent because he found the fathers and the sons, fathers and the daughters are going different ways. And the last word the prophet said in Malachi, he said in the last days, he would send the spirit of the prophet Elijah. He would turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, hearts of the children back to the fathers, or else the earth is ready for God to smite it with a curse. When fatherless children 
and children without fathers and fathers without children. You have no destiny. You have no future. You have no purpose. And today the world is a fatherless world. And that's why we have children who have no identity trying to discover who they are and become self-destructive. Think about it. So at baptism we see him saying that. Why? Because now he grew up as a 12-year-old boy in the home. There's no better place to grow up than in mother's love and father's love. Children are created such a way they need father, they need mother. Otherwise, we call them orphans. But the father in heaven said, I will not leave you fatherless. I will come to you. So he said, even the, I'm a father to the fatherless. Are you fatherless? You got a heavenly father. Though your father and your mother may reject you and disown you, God says, I will not leave you. You are mine. He's not ashamed of you. He has given you life. Now Jesus grew up in the home. Now from the age of 12 to the age of 30, he worked as a carpenter in the carpenter shop. That was his father's shop. Fathers teach children a trade. And in those days, if your father did not teach the child a trade, then they say the father taught him to be a thief. So it is a responsibility and the privilege and honor of every father to impart to his sons and daughters a trade, a skill. And from the age of 12 to the age of 30, Jesus worked as a carpenter. He was known as a carpenter after his death and resurrection in the book of Acts. They still called him the carpenter from Nazareth. He worked so well as a carpenter that if you go to the Middle East today and you want to buy the best carpentry, you'll see the shop's name and title, carpentry, carpentry of furniture from Nazareth. Why from Nazareth? 2,000 years ago, there was a carpenter in Galilee, in, and his name was Jesus. His carpentry was so perfect that nobody could match it even up to today. So the best carpentry in the Middle East is known as Nazareth carpentry. He works. Ephesians speaks about it. In the place of work, work as you are doing as unto the Father. Here was Jesus Christ in submission, in subjection, learning a trade, and he made the best furniture that is known in the world. What about you where you are working? What testimony do you bear? Are you somebody who comes on time, comes late and leaves early? Or are you like a son of God who comes before time and leaves after time? Christian leaders do not come on time. You come before time. You don't leave on time. You leave after time because you're not a slave. You're not a servant. You are a son of God. Can your boss look at you and say you are different? What makes you different? Because I'm here to serve you. Yeah. How about your jobs? Are you, is there a testimony there? Do they know you are different? You are reliable. You are trustworthy. Because you have divine discipline. You behave like a child of God. Do you behave like a child of God at home? Uh-huh. Are your parents proud of you? Uh-huh. Obedient to the parents? In my time when I was a little boy, uh, that's about 200 years ago, this, uh, 
it was said that children obeyed the parents. Today, it's parents obey your children. <laughs> How? What's your testimony? How you dress, how you talk, your manners, your attitude, your tone of voice, your body language. Who do you represent? Your father, God, or your father, Satan? Who do you represent? So here he was, working in the carpentry shop. At the age of 30, he now goes to the ministry. But before he goes into the ministry, Mark tells us, Mark chapter 6, verse 3, that Jesus had four brothers and at least two sisters. So he had a big family. Joseph had died early. And so now, eldest son, Jesus, listen, all you men who think you are men. You look like men outside, but inside you are something else. Jesus was a man, perfect man. And he, when his father died, he looked after his mother, and he looked after his four brothers and two sisters. He did not say, I've been called of God, I'm going to live by faith, so mommy, I will put you in an old folks home. And when I am free, I'll come and visit you. Because I am going to live by faith, and I'm going to serve God. He didn't say that. He didn't look at his brothers and sisters and say, well, too bad, daddy died, but you know, I got my calling. I have to do my job, live by faith. I cannot look after you, so I'll put you in the children's home, often home. He did not do that. He played his role as a son and as an eldest brother in the home. He looked after all his brothers and sisters. Oh, you want to be like Jesus, huh? Are you looking after your younger brothers and sisters? Are you looking after your old mom and dad? That is your privilege. That's your honor. It shows you are different. You are separate. You are from heaven. He looked after all of them. It was not like Siddhartha Gautama Buddha. He left his father. He left his wife. He left his young baby. He ran away. He didn't want to do anything. It is a Buddhist faith or Christian faith. Two are different, opposite. Christian faith is Jesus fed the multitude. Buddhist faith is multitude feeds him. You better know the difference. Buddhist faith is dehumanize you. Cut your hair, remove your desire for sex, remove your desire for ambition. You become dehumanized. But Jesus did not come to dehumanize you. He came to make you a human. He came to make you a child of God. He did not run away from his responsibilities to his own flesh and blood. His mother and his brothers and sisters, he looked after them. And even when he hung on the cross, he was dying for the, your sins for mine. He could have got down any time, but he said, no, I came for this purpose. I have this honor, power from my father that I have the right and the power to lay down my life. And I also have the power to raise it up. Because I'm the son of God. I'm God of heaven. I'm God of this earth. I'm God of the underworld. I'm the God of all. Death has no dominion over me. 
I've conquered death, so now I'm the Lord of all. So heaven, earth, hell shall bow before me. Because I did the will of my father, it cost me a lot. He was equal to the father, but he took upon himself our likeness. He became flesh, he humbled himself, he became dust and dirt. And being found as a child, uh, being found as a man, he humbled himself, humiliated himself, that he became obedient even to the death of the cross. For the seven year, seven steps of degrading, humiliating himself, God picked him up and placed him above all other names. Unless you and I are willing to be humbled, to be humiliated, to go to the cross and face death, you will never experience resurrection. And he hung on the cross and he said, Mom! So he has, she has been living with him all the while. Say, Mom, this is John. John, please take my mother and please look after her. And so even on the cross, he's thinking of his mother. Wow. That was still dependent on him. He's still, his brothers and sisters did not believe in him until he rose from the dead. And as a result, you have the epistle of James, you have the epistle of Jude, the brothers of Jesus. After his resurrection, they knew he was God. Are you looking after your mom? After this meeting this morning, you better call your mom, call your dad, call your brothers, call your sisters and tell them one I love you don't justify what has happened don't don't accuse no 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 just say I love you I miss you because I'm now a child of God mom I love you send a card send a present send something and let them know you love them send them something they love so that when you do so you find out you get them back to God they want to know what happened to my son, what happened to my daughter. Suddenly they become so loving. Oh, because God has invaded their lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you with me? My time's up. Hallelujah. I'm talking to sons of God. I've given you power to become. What are you becoming? Use that power of his word, of his blood, of his name, of his spirit to be transformed, to be changed, to become like him so that you will live like him, talk like him, and you will have experienced resurrection just like him. And they will say, well, I've seen you, I've seen the Father. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. For I only do what I see the Father do, and I hear what the Father says. I speak. That can be yours. Child of God. Hallelujah. God loves you. God's not ashamed of you. He gives you his name. He calls you my child. He, one man said, even my father and mother are ashamed to call me their son. And God calls me his son. God loves you. Hallelujah. 
Give the Lord a hand. Yeah.